Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for listening. Today, we're talking about bravery. Now, bravery, bravery and I are buddies. About 10 years ago, maybe a little more, Pete and I committed to doing one thing a day that scares us. There's an Eleanor Roosevelt quote that says something about this. I think it's pretty much do one thing a day that scares you. And fun fact, Eleanor Roosevelt and I have the same birthday. So anyways, we committed to doing one thing a day that scared us. And every Sunday night we would, we had this journal and we would write down all the scary things we did that week. When we started, we were writing normal size and we had like seven to 10 things each per week. By the time we stopped using that journal, like maybe a year, a year and a half later, we were writing teeny, teeny, tiny, and we were each writing like 40 plus things. And we stopped this practice because doing scary things had become not just a practice, but it was what we did. It became who we are. Bravery is a practice and it doesn't mean not being scared. In fact, it's being able to see your fear, recognize your, your fear, welcome your fear in and say, okay, I'm going anyway. I'm going to bring the fear with me and we are going forward. That's what bravery is. And speaking of bravery, it takes a whole lot of bravery to quit the stuff that isn't serving you. And that's why I created my new course, Four Weeks to Quit the Stuff That Isn't Serving You. You are here to be super shiny and sparkly. You are here to change the world by owning and sharing your gifts. But what gets you in the way of you being super sparkly and shiny? Stuff that isn't serving you. The stuff that takes your energy away from you. That's like the meeting that is just a total waste of time. That's the meal that you don't actually want to eat or put in your body. It's that commitment that you're not really feeling. It's that job you hate. It's that relationship that isn't working for you right now. It's the pants you're wearing that you don't like. All of that stuff takes away from your sparkle. It drains your sparkle. And you are here to be sparkly. You are worthy of being sparkly. And in fact, we need you to be sparkly because you are here to change the world. You are here to elevate the world in your own unique way. So four weeks to quit the stuff that isn't serving you. We start April 11th, but the doors are going to open. March 26th. We're going to have an early bird pricing for just two or three days and then get in by April 11th. And we're going to have, you're going to have a weekly assignment. You're going to get that on Sunday. And then on Thursdays, we're all going to get together for a group coaching session. So make sure you block off four to 5 PM Eastern time on Thursdays for four weeks, starting April 15th. All right. You got that? Keep your eyes peeled for four weeks to quit the stuff that isn't serving you. And remember, if you are here to raise the world, if you have a deep calling to raise the world, if you have this deep desire to send ripples of light out across the planet, then holy moly, we need you doing that. We need you feeling the ease and flow and joy and play and all of that. And I can help. That's what we do in light leader amplification. If that whole concept calls to you, if you feel like you want to elevate the world, but you are on the struggle bus and maybe you're on and off the struggle bus, let's get you absolutely off the struggle bus and in to the flow of it all. So check out the show notes for the link to light leader amplification. Now let's get into this week's episode. This week I talked to Nancy Picard and Nancy had a comfortable life when a divorce left her crushed and feeling unworthy, but her path to picking herself up helped her gain perspective on being bigger, 
better and braver, which just happens to be the title of her book. Nancy's a certified coach who works with clients looking to develop a full rewarding life. She helps her clients learn to practice being brave and get used to doing scary things and develop boundaries. All right, my friends, you are amazing. You are wonderful. You are a badass. You are brave. I love you. Go forth and be awesome. Nancy, I'm so excited for this conversation. Thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited too. So we're going to get right into it. And I want to know what, what is your relationship with bravery? Hmm. Okay. So, well, you know, I wrote the book, Bigger, Better, Braver, and I wrote it because my mindset is that to live life to the fullest, you have to get out of your comfort zone and life is on the other side of that comfort zone. And so we all have fears, you know, our fears are birthed from childhood and you can't wait to be in a fearless state because that's just never going to happen. So you have to have compassion for your fears. You might even be able to figure out where they came from, but then you take them by the hand and you move forward in faith that everything's going to happen exactly as it's supposed to. There are gifts and lessons for you to learn and that even if you fail, you fail forward and you're going to feel amazing for going and trying something. And nobody feels that way sitting on the couch or staying in their comfort zone. So being brave is like a muscle that you have to practice over and over again. And that eventually for me, I can speak, um, when I get that feeling, I know I'm exactly where I should be. Like when I get that feeling, I know that growth is on the other side and that I must follow through. And so for me at this point, it's not as scary because it's almost like a drug that you want. Mm, I love that. I, I just wrote a blog post about this. I shared that like, around 2010, we think my husband and I committed to doing at least one thing a day that scared us. And every mm -hmm. Sunday night, we would write a list of all the scary things we'd done that week. And at first we were taking up the full line, like writing in normal size handwriting and each writing like seven to 10 things. By the end of the year, we were writing in the teeniest, tiniest handwriting ever, each with like 30 to 50 things each week. Wow. Eventually we stopped writing things down because it was boring. We could never remember the scary things we'd done. It had become not just a practice, but it had be, it's just who we are. Right. You know? These things, yeah. it's still scary. And in reflection, I see like, even, you know, I do so many things that make me scared or uncomfortable. So many things outside my comfort zone every single day. Mm -hmm. One of them, a simple one is diving into cold water. I hate it. I hate getting in cold water. Are you doing cold plunging? No. Are you talking about cold oh, plunging no. or just? No. no I'm I talking do about that. getting yeah. in the pool for a workout. Right. And it's cold. Yeah. And it's cold. Um, yeah. But when you start thinking about all of the uncomfortable things we do, my bravery muscle is, it's, I activate it every single day. It's yeah. a practice. It's my workout. Yeah. It's great. It's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Exactly. I think that's what people don't realize. They look at other people and they think how brave they are or how courageous they are. And they don't see that that's possible for them. And it's only not possible because they haven't practiced it. I think, yes. And I think also they don't realize how uncomfortable those people are. They don't, yes. Yes. Well, you know, I used to wonder why, when I first started this podcast, I talked to a bunch of professional triathletes and Olympians, and I wondered what made them so fast. And it's simply that they have more practice. They're more comfortable being uncomfortable. They are super uncomfortable. It's not like 
someone biking or running that fast for them is more right. comfortable. It's that right. they are just super uncomfortable the entire time. It's that uncomfortable being that uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Where like when I run or do a marathon or triathlon, I do it at my pace. So I stay really comfortable. And so I do it, but I'll never, that's interesting. Yeah, that's true. So we would think, God, they're so fast, not like they're so fast and they've allowed themselves to be in that much pain and discomfort. Right. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. So how did you start training your bravery muscle? Um, well, I didn't, I wasn't always brave. Like I was married for 26 years. I loved my life. I was really comfortable. I owned a personal training gym. I was married to the man I loved beyond belief. I had two kids. We had a great life. And so when we, when he wanted out, um, and ended up with somebody two years older than my son, I wasn't brave and I was really broken. And um, what was mostly broken was my self-confidence. And so because I loved him so much, I only saw myself as how he saw me, right? It was very other referenced. I was no longer self-referenced. And so it took me a long time to learn, to love myself, to trust myself, to remember. It was really more about remembering. Like I was the one that picked him up and held him up all those years, but I forgot that. So I needed to remember who I really was at my core. And once I started coaching and um, I had a coach for a year, then I trained for over a year. Now I have eight certifications. I mean, I'm just so loving this that I just started to do harder things. And really, it, this is the funny thing. When you write a book, be very careful because whatever you write a book about, the universe shoves it in your face. So writing a book about being bigger, better, braver has made me have to be bigger, better, braver every time I turn around. I was on extra TV, like that scared me to death and doing book tours and being a speaker and doing pod, like now I'm not nervous about it, but every single piece of this was me being bigger, better, braver. So, you know, just be careful what you write a book about. Yeah. And I can see some people might think, oh, now people expect you to be bigger, better, braver, but that's not what you're saying. You're saying the universe is like, okay, here, yeah. be brave. Try Here's this. the thing. You're yeah. big. Now show yeah. us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think there's a woman in the world that doesn't have the imposter syndrome in the back of her mind. And so you have to fight that to know that you own your space, right? You belong here. You've worked for this. You own your space. Now shine. Mm -hmm. And we forget that. We as women really forget that. We're not made to shine. We, I mean, we are, but we, don't, we were not brought up. You know, um, this new course that I started to do when I told my, my 94-year-old mother I was going to do this, she's like, honey, you've worked so hard the last few years. Do you really need more? Huh. So, right? <laughs> right? I'm thinking, it's amazing I got to where I am with that <laughs> attitude, mom, right? Yeah, so I think, we, I think that in my generation, it was, um, you, had a, you had to learn that and own it back. Mm hmm. Well, it's something that's passed down generationally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I only have sons. So but I have three granddaughters and they call me up and they'll be Nana. Guess what I did today that was bigger, better, braver. And I'm like all over it. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. Because I try to teach any of my clients for their, their children. It's not about the accomplishment that the juice is in the journey. Yes. Really help your children tell them how excited you are that they're brave, not how excited you are that they did X, Y, and Z. Yes. Like encourage the trying and encourage the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset with your children so that they can try a zillion things and not care about the outcome. Yes. 
Oh, hell yes. Let's Mm -hmm. focus on the process, focus on what's within our control. And the, the little things that are scary are actually just as scary as the huge things. Right. Like, let's celebrate the things like getting in the cold water, the, the Mm -hmm. making that phone call, sending that email, not just the being on extra TV, which is, which is also amazing. There's so many different ways to be brave. Yeah. And every, your brain doesn't know, you know, our brain is fight, flight, or freeze. And your brain doesn't know it sees emotional fear as well as the, the um, saber tooth tiger the yeah. same way. And so you're exactly right. It doesn't matter if you're trying a little fearful thing or a big fearful thing. I actually tell my clients to chunk down and try really small things and be successful with trying something you were afraid of. Not successful on how it turned out, but successful in moving forward in fear. Yes. And just keep showing up. Right. 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 That go ahead. No, I want to know what you were going to say. I was going to say that the difference between successful people and non-successful people is that the successful people didn't quit. Mm. Like, honestly, that's the difference. You, you, most people who quit, they quit right before they would have been successful had they been able to see the big picture but they can't. And so if they had just stayed with it, that's what, that's what successful people do. And that's what makes them successful. Not that it wasn't just as hard, not that they weren't just as afraid, not that they didn't have a zillion failures along the way, but that eventually they hit it. Yeah. There's still this idea of talent out there that some people are just really talented And so they become, you know, quote unquote, overnight successes. I'm not so sure that exists. I think in most cases, it's showing up again and again and again and again and again. Yeah, I don't think we can discount talent, but talent without determination and follow through will get you nowhere. Mm -hmm. And having less talent, but more, you know, stick to is probably better and more important than just being a talented person. I mean, it's great to be talented. So let's not discount that there is something to it, but alone, it, it's going to die in the ground. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. So where, what has your journey with stick to been like? I have... I have this um, inner strength to stay in integrity with my word. And that is probably my superpower. So if I tell myself I'm going to do something, I follow through. And a piece of that is that I'm a life coach and I hold my clients to the same level that I hold myself to. And I wouldn't feel like I'm in integrity to keep them in alignment and ask them to stay in alignment if I'm not in alignment. So I think that's a gift of being a coach. If you really get that's an obligation as well as an honor for you. Um, And so I can really just stick to what I say I'm going to do. Like when I trained for Kilimanjaro, I overtrained. I started earlier. I did more, um, but it makes me feel so good to be in alignment. So I'm a goal. I'm a goal. I'm not a. I'm not a gold digger. I'm a gold digger, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and it's easy for me to stay with what I say I'm going to do. And yet you talked about how you accidentally overtrained. I do. Yeah. So how do you find the balance? Well, I, I, you know, I will say this to you that when you live on autopilot, you miss a lot. You miss emotionally what you should be concentrating on. You miss a lot. 
you know, physically, emotionally, everything. And so the first thing is to get out of autopilot. And for me, when I get back into autopilot, I'm an endorphin junkie and I end up over-exercising. I live in Aspen, Colorado. I'm sorry, but this is like the playground for athletics. You can ski and hike and bike and do yoga all in one day. You can be leaving the ski mountain and hearing other people saying, all right, I'm going to go to this class and that class. And, you know, it's a way of life here. And so when I'm on autopilot, I overdo. And um, this happened to me twice in my life. The first time was when I moved here and I wasn't working for a period of time and I overtrained and I burnt out my adrenal, or I burnt out my, um, my immune system and I ended up with melanoma. And then I did stay out of autopilot. And I promised myself I would never do more than two activities in a day. I would never exercise more than a certain amount of hours in a day until I started to train maybe 10 years later again for Kilimanjaro. And I did the same thing. Now I had an excuse and I forgot the lesson that the universe had taught me the first time. So it taught it to me again. And I ended up with an adrenal fatigue that lasted over a year and parasites like I, like I was off the charts with parasites and it took me a really long time to balance myself. And so I now, I have it now, you know, I actually can say that I do exercise mainly seven days a week, but I usually do one thing and I don't actually overtrain. Um, I mean, I do hike up the mountain and take the chairlift down. I had knee surgery a month ago. And so I can do that, but I'm not skiing at the moment. I, I, I can, I'm balanced. I'm way more balanced. And that's a matter of learning the lessons, listening to your body and staying out of autopilot. Yes. And you're human. So it took you two big lessons to learn that. True. Actually True. pretty good. Yeah. I do say my eyes are open. My ears are open. Bring me all the small lessons you want because I'm on alert. I'm paying attention and I can learn from the little lessons. So I don't need the big ones. Mm, I ask for the same thing. Please <laughs> be super clear. I'm human. So I don't always get things so quickly. So just be super clear with the little lessons I want to learn. I want to hear. Give me lots mm -hmm. of little ones before the big one, please. Right, right. Give me a couple of learnings. Mm -hmm. My humanness. Yes. Yeah. Humans are a little. And then you also have to honor. You know, I say I honor my awesomeness, but I also honor my flossomeness. You know, yes. I honor yes. both ends of who I am, and I own who I am. I can be stupid. I can forget things, um, uh, but I I honor who I am and where I am. Who are you? Um, I'm a lot of things. I'm a really good mother. I'm an amazing grandmother. Um, I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I'm a coach. I'm a great girlfriend. I think I'm a good partner. My husband or my partner's in the other room. Um, I'm, I'm a joy seeker and I'm an adventurer and... And I'm an, I think I'm an integrity and honesty seeker. Like I love that. I love going to bed at night, being wowed by how much I got done that day in terms of what I said I was going to do. You know, I mean, I don't like things. I, I talk about incompletes and I don't like any incompletes. Some people can probably handle them better. If you ask me what stresses me or what frustrates me, it would be having anything that's incomplete and that's relationships, you know, that I have somebody in my life that we're having a thing. I don't want to have a thing. I'd rather have everybody be able to go to my front porch, maybe not get into the house, but be allowed on my front porch. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't like things out there. I don't like knowing that I had to pack up my home to move. So I have to get in and start it. I know that my taxes were due. I have to get in and start them because all of the anxiety and all of the drama is on the side before you just step in. And the moment you step in, it's gone, right? 
Yes. You know what? I told you, I haven't told the audience this yet, but you have an open route and that's most likely that open route. People with open roots tend to be very um, prone is the word I was looking for prone to adrenal fatigue. People with open roots also can pick up, you feel pressure in your body and that pressure you're amplifying other people's pressures and you often wait until you get super stressed to do something you particularly because you have pressure coming from your crown so what what i'm hearing from you is that you have done the work to not put yourself in that place of working yourself into a tizzy, working yourself into the like pure stress to make you do something. Yes. Now I do it beforehand. Thank you. Yeah, I do it beforehand. I mean, like, I don't know if you've worked with procrastinators, but they think that they're people that just work. Oh, I work best under stress. Mm -hmm. Well, no, that's not really true, but you're in that fight, flight and freeze and you're in that freeze mode. And so you, and that's usually even perfectionists. They're, they're really known for that. Um, I definitely don't stay in the freeze mode. The freeze mode would make me anxious. So you're right. I have learned how to not um, be, be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what keeps me sane. What else keeps you sane? Um, oh, I'm, I'm very much a people person. So I like having, I like, like I am a hike. I like being out in nature every single day and I can do it alone. I don't have a problem doing it alone. I listen to a book or a podcast. I always have my dog, but I, but it's, it's my social activity. So if I can find somebody to hike or bike or ski with, then I've sort of, I'm out in nature I'm socializing, I'm having conversation, and then I can come home and work the rest of the day and never have to leave my house again. And that's like a perfect day for me. Mm. I'm just, that prompted an open mouth breath for me. That is like truth falling into my body. I also need that nature hit Mm -hmm. every single day. It's, it's just grounding, right? Yes. Yes. And it's a reminder that we are connected with all things and we are all things Mm -hmm. and it's all within us and outside us. Yeah. Love that. Nancy, you told me before we started that you are a boundary coach. What does that mean? Hmm. So one of my certifications is in is in boundary coaching, which helps people stop being over givers, people pleasers, you know, um, working themselves to the bone to try to earn love from other people to the point where they no longer know what they need, what they want, where they begin, where somebody else starts. So boundaries is about what you will and will not tolerate anymore, what's acceptable for you, Boundaries start with yourself. So what you won't accept anymore in yourself, I won't, I won't promise myself things and not do it. Or I'm going to meditate every day, or I'm going to, these are the things I'm going to do for a morning ritual or an evening ritual. You know, you're honoring your own boundaries. And then you're setting boundaries with other people. And I help my clients figure out, first of all, you know, so many people don't even know what they need or want. But when they have anger or frustration or anxiety or stress or guilt, that's a really good sign that you are crossing your boundaries. And the other thing about being a boundary badass is that nobody can cross your boundaries except for you. That's a really hard thing for somebody to learn. So let's say I want to set a boundary. Let's say I have a partner who overdrinks. Now he's the one that's over drinking, but I'm the one that's choosing that I need a boundary around it. So for example, I may say to him, I'm really uncomfortable when you have more than two drinks, would you be willing to not have more than two drinks? 
Now he's going to say yes or no. He may say yes, and he may try, but then he won't be able to do it. And then you have to follow through. In order to honor and respect myself, the next time you have two drinks, I'm going to sleep in the guest room. You're still not asking him. You're not demanding anything from him, right? This is what I'm doing to honor and respect myself. So that's what boundaries are all about. Boundaries are saying to your boss, I feel really frustrated when you put work on my desk at five o'clock and then I can't get home to have dinner with my family. Would you be willing to not give me anything past two o'clock? And if you do, I'm going to do it the next day. And then you, when they give you something after five o'clock, you have to not do it. Like you also have to stand for your own boundaries. But when you, go ahead. This is so good because I feel like so many people, they, when they think about boundaries, they think about, oh, so-and-so crossed my boundaries. And they think about other people when it comes to boundaries, but you're walking us through how boundaries are about taking personal responsibility. Right. It's all about personal actions. Yeah. And you feel guilty, you know, let's say you, you, you go on a vacation every year with your family and you don't want to do it anymore. Like your extended family, not your own children. And you have to be able to say, I'm, I, I need to not go this, you know, I feel this when we do that, would you be willing to do this? Or this year, I can't do this. I hope you understand, but you're still standing in your needs and you're asking for what you need. And what I tell my clients is that people are not mind readers. So if you don't stand up and know your own needs, how are they gonna like, Trust me, women, husbands are not mind readers. You know, they, they're not. And so you can't blame them for what you have not said yourself. And, you know, and then you have to be careful in how you say, how often you ask. Um, I teach, I was just doing a book study with a group, two different groups of women on boundaries. And one of them told me that, her part, she said, oh, I've become a boundary badass. But in the next breath, she tells me that her partner said to her, would you be willing, which is this whole boundary thing, would you be willing to just set boundaries once a week? <laughs> like, would you be willing to keep them and store them up so that I'm actually not getting hit every morning with a new boundary? You know, would you be willing to just talk about them once a week? And I thought that was great, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and if, for someone who's brand new to boundaries, they might be popping up all the time and it might feel yeah. to our partners or the other yeah. people in our relationship like they're being peppered by constant right. boundary requests. And like everything, there's a balance, there's a spectrum. You know, you can't go, you can't f- go from never setting a boundary to like trying to rewrite history and set a zillion new boundaries. So it's a tool and you have to use it, but you can't overuse it. Hmm. I'm curious, Nancy, how did you use these boundary ninja skills with yourself as you found yourself overtraining? Well, I wasn't a boundary coach then. Oh. (laughs) So how I use it now is by balance, by making promises to myself And those are the boundaries. You're not going to do three exercises in one day. You're not going to exercise if you're hurt or, you know, you're not like I make those kinds of boundaries with myself. And that's how I set, set boundaries with myself. I've set boundaries like with my children and how much I'll, I'll babysit versus because I love my grandkids and I love giving, giving, giving. But then I was finding that I would go there and I would, not spend any time with my own children because they were always off and I was always with the kids. And I had to balance that with saying, I love that. But I also, would you be willing to, to one of you do something with me every day so that I'm not just coming and spending two weeks with just the kids. That was a boundary that I set with my kids. Um, There's a lot of boundaries that women as they get older need to be setting with their adult children. 
Like what else? Oh, um, I have a client who's lives in a house and her son and daughter-in-law live on one floor and she lives on the other and the basement is below and he would just walk in at any time he wanted to go in the basement and she'd be like, she just set the boundary that this is still my home. Someday it'll be yours, but it's still my home. Would you be willing to call me and not just come in? And even if I'm not home, call me and let me know because I leave my house like it's mine and nobody's going to be in there. And would you be willing to do that? Mm. Right? I feel like all of these little things that people don't think of as requesting, like allowing yourself, giving yourself permission to have your own sacred space. I'm, I'm saying the word sacred space, but the the word I'm feeling is nest. So you have your own nest and you know that that's your safe space. Yeah. And that, and that, um, I mean, I think that the biggest part about being setting boundaries is honoring, respecting your right to have needs met. Yeah. By yourself and others by yourself and others. Mm. Yeah. And when you can acknowledge that you're the only one that can cross your boundaries, you've given up the victim road. You know, you're no longer the victim. You're the co-creator and being the co-creator is a much more empowering position than being the victim. Yes. Yes. And that's the truth of who we are. We are all co-creators. We are all co-creators, whether it's because of thoughts or beliefs that you have from your childhood that that brings situations into your life. You know, if you have a belief that you're unworthy, you attract people that are going to prove you're right. Mm -hmm. You know, they're either going to be on your level of unworthiness or they're going to be like above you and what you think. And then they're going to look down at you and you're going to say, see, look how unworthy I am. Yep. That's why women always say, why do I attract the same guy over and over and over again? Well, because you haven't done the work to change your beliefs. Change your beliefs and you can change the guy. How do you support people in becoming brave enough to do the work? I help them stay in alignment with the action steps that they set each week. So I do, I never, I can't say never. I'd like to say never, but I can't say that I never help them come up with their action steps, but I really do try because I I work um, from their hearts and not their heads. And I really do try to let their action steps float up. And then we discuss whether it's really doable so that they don't overcommit. I never let them overcommit so that they must come back having finished it. Like they can't, there's no excuse for, for not following through because then your heart asked you to do this. And then you didn't listen because your ego got in the way and you sabotaged yourself. So I can't actually work with people who don't stay in alignment. It's not, it's not, I don't want to take your money. It's not worth it. I will help you. I will be your accountability partner, but you have to, you have, I can only work as hard as you work. Right. Yes. Yes. The client must be willing to do the work. Yeah. I help them and we start small and they learn that they can stay true to what they say. And it's okay for me if they do things in the beginning, because they know that they're going to have to come back to like me, you know, and fess up. That's okay. I'm okay. I'm all right with being the holder of their accountability while they learn to strengthen their own desire for their own accountability. And to me, that's the beauty of a life coach. I'm not there to be their friend, although I generally end up that way, but I'm not there to be their friend. I'm there to actually help them get from the discrepancy of where they are to where they say they want to be and hire me and I will help you get there. But again, I'm only going to work as hard as you do. Mm-hmm. I can't do it for you. That's so well said, Nancy. I love it. 
Thank you. Thank you for speaking for all of us coaches in what we do. Um, we started out this conversation talking about bravery and doing scary things. What's the scariest thing you've ever done? I actually think writing the book was the scariest thing I ever did because number one, I've never written a book before. And, um, there's a lot of me in the book. So I've met a lot of people who have said to me, oh my God, I've known you my whole life. I didn't know half that stuff, right? So I share my heartbreak. I share my triumphs. Um, I share those of my clients as well. It was a big step for me doing all the parts that come with it, the promoting, the marketing. My book came out during COVID. So I didn't even have like the regular book tours and all of the normal kinds of things. Every step since I've written the book is probably the bravest thing I've ever done. But there was a point in my life where I wouldn't go to a restaurant and sit at a bar by myself, or I wouldn't go to a movie by myself. I wouldn't travel alone. So the year that I was turning 60, I not only decided to train and climb Kilimanjaro, which you would think would be the bravest thing I ever did, but honestly, I think the book was braver. Um, but I took a trip to Vietnam by myself to, to train, but also to go by myself. And I took a trip to Thailand alone. And I mean, now you're building up why I had adrenal fatigue, because all of this happened and Kilimanjaro in one year. And so that's where the, who knows where the parasites came from, like, but um, all of those things were testing I kept thinking to myself, well, if you don't do this, you won't be able to climb Kilimanjaro. So like I would do, you know, double black diamond skis on my back kinds of things, learning to self-arrest, all these things. And I would say, well, if you don't do this, you're never going to make it to Kilimanjaro. And that became my mantra. So. So did that feel like you were actually operating from fear, like you were threatening yourself? No, no, because I'm actually, I'm an endorphin junkie, but I'm not an adrenaline junk, junkie. What's the difference? Like one time, one time I went skiing here, I had met, I was single at the time and I met a group of firemen, New York firemen who were part of the whole 9-11. And they asked me if I wanted to go out to dinner with them. I said, no, I'm not going out. With, I don't even know you guys, you know? And they said, well, come ski with us tomorrow. I said, Okay we get up the mountain and we take off. I never saw them again. I literally, they go straight down. They never stop. And that's their gig. And when I finally got to the bottom, I was like, what was that? They're like, Nancy, we're, we're adrenaline junkies. We're firemen. And I'm like, all right, guys, well, that was fun, but that's not who I am. And so, yeah, I, I don't, I'm an endorphin junkie. I love the high, but I don't, I'm, I don't like fast. Like I don't go flying down the mountain skiing. I don't go flying down the mountain on a bike, even though I do all those things, I do them controlled. Hmm. So there's a big difference. There is a big difference. Yeah. 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 I don't have that. I don't do that kind of fear. I do the fear of something that's going to make me be grow bigger on the other side. Thank you for saying that. I think that's also a common misconception is even when I ask people what the scariest thing they've ever done is some people think, well, like I've never gone bungee jumping or skydiving or anything like that. No, I'm asking like, you know, maybe the scariest thing he ever did was end a relationship or sell your house or whatever comes up for you is right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I don't think when I think of courage, it's never about doing like I wouldn't bungee jump and I wouldn't jump out of an airplane. So that's those are just scary things that don't have, I mean, Yes, if you do them, would you maybe feel like I've been to Tony Robbins and walked on fire and stuff like that? That to me is not that scary. It's sort of like a practice in being scary, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little thing. Um, mine is all about, mine is 
all about feeling the fear and doing it anyway, and knowing that the fear is, is about you not thinking you're big enough or good enough or ready or at that point in your life. And that's just fear-based about from your, from your insides. You know, that's just that inner wounded child that says, no, no, let's stay here where we're safe. And the inner critic was born to keep us safe. And as children, it did keep us safe. But as adults, it keeps us small. And so we have to do the work to love our inner child, to have conversations with our inner child, to really recognize the signs that it's our inner child who's speaking right now and give them the love they need. And then saying, and you can stay here, but I'm still going, like I'm doing this thing. Come with me or stay here, I'm going. Cause I'm the adult version. Yes, yes. And you said earlier, I don't think you've said it since we've been recording. So I wanna tee you up. What's your relationship with fear right now? How do you use it in your life? I use it really well. Like I, I am able to recognize that this fearful thing that I'm being asked by the universe to do is part of the evolution of my soul. It is how I move to the next level. You know, it's like you're in the Super Mario game and I need to get to that next level. And I don't think you can get to the next level without moving through fear. I just don't. And it's, it's really a, a gift to learn how to harness your fear, have compassion for it, take it by the hand and move forward in faith that the universe has your back. Everything is for the evolution of your soul. And that if you fall, you're going to fall forward and you're going to learn the lessons that you were meant to learn so that the next time you will be successful or the time after that. You know, a lot of times I think that you're not successful because it wasn't your time to be successful. Yes. I describe that as though it's like you rush off, you're, you're eating in a restaurant and you rush off to go to the bathroom and you can't get in the door. It's just jammed shut and you get so frustrated. Then it turns out that was the storage closet and you just right. got to walk down the hall a couple more feet. It's all and open. It's open yeah. and waiting for you. Yeah, that's great. That's good. That's a good analogy. I may use that. Feel really free. Good. Um, Nancy, if you had a billboard, it's a magic mm -hmm. billboard that you can put anywhere in the world and wherever you put it, everyone in the world can read it. What mm -hmm. would it say? Buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> Bigger, better, braver, conquer your fears, embrace your courage and transform your life. Um, okay. So that, that's probably what I would love to say, but I would also say, um, I don't want to sound like Nike, but just do it, you know, like feel the fear and move with it, move forward. Anyway, your life is waiting on the other side. Yeah. Feel the fear and move anyway. Your life is waiting on the other side or your future self will thank you. Something like that. Yes. And if you were to say, even buy my book, why would, why do you want people to buy your book? I think that my book is a how to start from your vision, you know, uncovering your vision, getting out of autopilot, understanding what the disempowering beliefs and underlying commitments that people are not aware of. They don't even know what that means. Learning to accept feedback and see the gift in the feedback, being brave enough to ask for help, you know. Sometimes it's not how you're going to do something, but who's going to help you do it. All of those tools and strategies, people can pick up my book if they don't want to coach and get a lot of those tools. That to me, that's where you start. That's, that's a no brainer. 
That's an amazing gift to humanity. Thank you. Thank you for putting that out there. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they buy your book? Where can they work with you? Anything else you want to share? Yeah, so my website is nancypicardlifecoach.com. So N-A-N-C-Y-P-I-C-K-A-R-D, lifecoach.com. Um, there is a page that's linked to this, that's nancypicardlifecoach.com forward slash find your awesome. And in there, there's a link to schedule a free discovery call. There's a free download of the first chapter of my book. And then there's a bigger, better, braver quiz to see where you are on that level of how much, how much work do you need, you know? Um, and so those are, those are the two ways, you know, and you can follow me on Nancy Picard Life Coach, Instagram or Facebook, but, um, the website shows you every single certification I have and how to get in contact with me too. That is amazing. We'll put all those links in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nancy. It's been so fun hanging out with you. It's been fun me too. And I loved learning all about the human design. So that was it. The universe kept putting that in my face Mm -hmm. and now I, and now I have it. So this is like a universe moment for me. Thank you. Oh, I love it. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope you are feeling inspired to be bigger, better, and braver. You can do hard things. You can do big things. You are brave. And check out all things Nancy at nancypicardlifecoach.com. And head to kelseyabbott.com if you want to learn more about light leader amplification and sign up for four weeks to quit the stuff that isn't serving you. Remember, early bird pricing starts on March 26th. So get on it. And finally, if this episode resonated with you, please share it with everyone, you know, and please leave a review on Apple podcasts. Thank you so much. I love you. Go forth and be awesome.